Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to Nature Spirituality with Selena Fox. This is Selena Fox, and tonight we are connecting with Ancestors Altars. Ancestors, we call to you. Ancestors, we honor you. Ancestors, come to us. Ancestors, be with us. Ancestors, come to us. Guide us. Teach us. Help us. As we connect with you and the ancestral realm. So be it. So ancestor work can be greatly benefited by including work with an ancestor's altar. And tonight I'm going to share with you different types of ancestor altars, some things to put on them, how to work with them. And I have two ancestor altars that I have with me, and I celebrate all who are listening live and later by audio podcast and all of you who are live with my main Facebook page, Selena Fox Updates, as well as those who will be joining later. I have set up tonight a ancestor's altar that focuses on ancestral places. And I have different items here that represent some of the places and some of the symbols that are connected with some of my ancestral lines of family. I also have an ancestor's altar that most people are more familiar with. It has photographs, it has offerings, candles, water, heirlooms, and other things connected with ancestors of family. There are different ways to connect with the ancestral realm, and tonight I'm going to focus on ancestral altars for family ancestors. But these same approaches can be used for other types of ancestors that may be part of your spiritual practice and your life. Ancestors of place, of culture, ancestors of spiritual tradition. And with ancestors of family, it's very common that things connected 
directly with one or more ancestors are included on the ancestor's altar. Many people rely on photographs for those who are connecting with ancestors where there isn't a photograph available, either because they lived before photography became a thing or just none have been located or passed on to you. There are other ways that you can represent ancestors on a family ancestor's altar. And one way is if you have any things that have been passed on to you through family lines, and I have something that my father's mother passed on to me, some pieces of tableware uh, dating back on some of my lines in um, southern Maryland back in the early part of what is now known as the USA. Um, you can have that. You may also want to have a book of ancestor names, um, a family tree chart. That can be a way to represent your ancestors on a family ancestors altar. And I like having the family tree put in a notebook form, and that way I have some information about the various ancestors. And so while this is not um, my notebook with the family tree chart is not right on top of the altar, it is nearby. And some people like to have a variety of different items that remind them of ancestors. For those parents, grandparents, great-grandparents who you've known in this life and who have died that you want to honor on your ancestors' altar, there may be obituaries or other paperwork that's connected with them. They may have sent you a birthday card at some point. They may have written you a letter. So any of those what you might call tokens of remembrance that you have in your possession could be added to your own ancestor's altar. So why do an ancestor's altar? Well, most people do an ancestor's altar as a way of strengthening their relationship with ancestors. It's a way to honor and remember ancestors. It's a way to have an ever-present reminder of the ancestors. And this would be for ancestors' altars that you have up on an ongoing basis. And I'll talk about some other types of ancestor altars, which are uh, more special occasion altars, which is another form of ancestors' altars that you can work with. But where do you have an ancestor's altar? Most people have them inside their home. Some people prefer to have an ancestor's altar or shrine somewhere around their home in a garden, or it might be a favorite tree that's dedicated as a place for honoring the ancestors. And while a 
tree may not look like an ancestor's altar, it certainly can serve that function. Not needing to have actual physical representations of your ancestors around the tree, but as part of dedicating the tree as an ancestral tree and a symbolic family tree, you can call the name or names of those ancestors that you seek to honor with that type of ancestral altar. Some people like to have an ancestor's altar that they can transport from place to place. In this situation, you might find it helpful to have some photographs of your ancestors and others tokens of remembrance on a phone that has a camera and storage system so that what little items you may be able to carry for when you're talking about a traveling altar, everything tends to get miniaturized depending on your style of travel. So that would be a way that you could you use your phone and the photographs on the phone as um, a centerpiece on your traveling altar so that you'd actually have representations. Or another way is to write the names of your ancestors out on a piece of paper and then to have that on your altar along with a candle, a crystal, some other objects. There's a lot of different reasons and purposes for ancestral altars and Certainly honoring ancestors, learning about them, having them as part of your life, very important reasons for an ancestor's altar. But ancestor altars can also help us with ancestor research. By having a spiritual location where we are remembering and communing with ancestors and having a regular practice with that, we may want to put forth requests to one or more ancestors for assistance in learning more about the stories of ancestors that you hope to be researching. Another thing that ancestor altars are helpful for is when you are part of a multi-generational household, you can use the ancestor altar, depending on it, purpose and its location and um, all the other protocols connected with it, but to teach younger generations as well as people from multi-generations. It can be a kind of family bonding place, not only to honor the ancestors, but to share ancestor stories, which is a kind of honoring. So figure out what kind of ancestor altar you may want to have, figure out where you're going to locate it, and then uh, find some ways to create it and to work with it. It's said that if you have an ancestor's altar in your home, it brings blessings. For by having your home life, going across the generations and going into the spiritual world, you can strengthen that relationship and the ancestors are going to be watching over their altar 
their home within your home as well as over you and all your loved ones connected with the home. Some people will have on a family ancestor's altar some images of beloved pets who have crossed over to the other side. And I certainly see that that can be a really helpful thing for a family, especially when one has been missing a beloved creature that's been part of the household. And ancestor altars can also help when one ancestor is in the making, when someone is completing their life and they are about ready to cross over, it can be a place to call on ancestors to help with the transition process for the loved one who's dying. Um, It can be a really powerful altar for being a comfort to the one who's making transition as well as all the loved ones who are gathered or who are there in spirit. Where is a good place to put your altar? Well, one thing to keep in mind is who's going to be using the ancestors' altar? And what's your household configuration? How much space you have? What you plan to do with your ancestors' altars? All these factors are things to consider for your location. I have an ancestor altar that I have set up near some bookshelves with all my ancestral books that I have and near filing cabinets where I have my actual paper records. So I made a choice early on when I moved into my present home to have a small bookshelf be serving as an ancestor's altar and also have some bookshelves and some files where materials connected with the ancestors can all be present. Some people actually have an ancestor altar in their home and they haven't called it an ancestor's altar. When you visited a place or perhaps your own home has photographs of deceased loved ones in your family arranged together as a way to remember them, and in a way that can be a kind of ancestor altar. Some people will have things on the wall as well as a small table which serves as the ancestor's altar. Um, What I have for the ancestor's altar I've set up for tonight that focuses on ancestral people I have a number of photographs. I have a photograph of my mother's mother and of my father's parents. I have also um, some photographs of some relatives that go further back in time. And while I don't presently have a photograph that's framed For my Fox ancestors, my Fox family line is actually my mother's father's line, I do 
of a little fox creature, which serves as a representation of my fox family ancestry. So having a place where you can have mementos, photographs, names of your ancestors, and ways to be able to connect with them is really what ancestral altars are all about. So what's the duration of your ancestors' altar? Is it a altar that you have up year-round? Many people prefer that. They find a place where they have access to it, but it's not I'm going to need to get moved because of some other things that it's next to. So if it's going to be something that's going to be year-round, have it in a place where it can be, can be easily accessed. And if you have some privacy um, considerations in a room where you can shut a door um, in the event that you prefer it not to be accessible, one of the things to figure out is, is it in a private space inside your home or what you might call a social space in your home. Another factor is if you do have companion creatures in your home, how respectful are they of altars that you already have set up? Um, certainly some creatures like to leap um, onto altars, and sometimes that's not so good for the creature or for the altar. Um, so, um, and sometimes young people or those who might have some type of um, cognitive challenges that may not fully understand an altar. So all of these are things to keep in mind. Some people will have their altar in their bedroom if they're in a home with multiple bedrooms and people each having their private space that way and then keeping the shared space as something that's more social. Some people, though, will have their ancestors' altar out in their living room or their kitchen or a dining area, and it's there year-round, and it's for all to see. Um, if you're going to have it in a place that's a social space and you're going to have people visiting you that may not fully understand it, then you may need some signage, basically. Um, honoring ancestors do not touch or something to that effect. You really want to keep your altar in good order. You want it clean and you want it to be a place that's sacred for you. For by creating an ancestor's altar and working with it, you're creating a portal into the other world. You may want to create a special ancestor's altar for a particular occasion. As part of my work as Senior Minister and High Priestess of Circle Sanctuary, which is our Nature Spirituality Church located in southwestern Wisconsin, USA, I do weddings, I do funerals, I do baby blessings, I attend births, I doing coming-of-age ceremonies for people into adulthood and coming-of-age into seniorhood ceremonies, graduation ceremonies, initiations. 
a variety of what you might call life passage rituals. Some of the people that I have facilitated life passage rituals for want to set up an ancestor's altar as part of the ritual space. This has especially been the case for births and for weddings. And sometimes that altar is set up really close to the main altar or it may have its own space separately. And this is especially done when there may be parents or grandparents that whoever is the focal point of the ceremony really wish they would be present, but they have died. So this is a way to include them by having a physical representation and a portal space for them to spiritually come and be part of a life passage ceremony, be a wedding or some other type of ceremony. Some people like to celebrate their ancestors on their birthdays, on their own birthdays, or to set up an ancestor altar for a particular ancestor at the time of that ancestor's birth. That can be a fabulous way to strengthen a connection with a particular ancestor and ancestors as a whole. We have multiple ancestors' altars as part of the Circle Sanctuary Samhain Festival every year. And in the Northern Hemisphere, Samhain is late October, early November, we typically have our Samhain festival, our three-day festival, at the last weekend in October, which also happens to be Circle Sanctuary's birthday, um, founded in 1974. So for our main ritual, our custom has been to turn our entire temple room into one big ancestor's shrine with multiple altars where each person who's taking part in the festival has the opportunity to set up a altar, and we have really long tables, and people section them off and bring candles and offerings and other tokens of remembrance and set up different ancestral altar displays around the entire room. In addition to the community ancestors' altars, Space, we typically have an altar with a plate and a cup, known as the spirit plate and spirit cup, with some food from each of the dishes served during the main feast of our festival and the cup of some of the beverages being served during our Samhain feasting. And that's set up on a main altar. And if they're community members, who have crossed over in the past year, we typically will put their photographs on the main altar to represent the recent dead, those who have crossed over in the past year since Samhain. In my next podcast next week, I plan to do an ancestors ritual um, workshop and talk about different types of rituals that you can do at ancestral altars as well as at other locations. So Samhain is a really powerful time to connect with ancestors in many traditions. It's a time where you can gather with others and collectively create 
a community Samhain altar such as we do at Circle Sanctuary. You may want to have a particular household Samhain altar in your home, even if you have a year-round Samhain uh, year-round ancestors altar. You may want to create a special altar for Samhain where you have offerings specific to Samhain and particular ancestors that you seek to contact and honor, remember, commune with at Samhain time. What are some other times to have special ancestors altars? Well, a variety of what you might call Civic holidays or secular holidays in the United States, that would include Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So those who wish to honor those who have worked for racial equality um, in the USA in particular may set up a cultural ancestors altar at that time um, to remind and to celebrate those who have gone before and have brought about healing and advances in equality, liberty, and justice for all. There is President's Day in February. That can be an amazing time to have an ancestor's altar, especially if you are from a place with a connection with one or more of the presidents in the USA, or you want to connect with ancestors that have been part of American history um, in a small way or a big way. So it can be a way of connecting with American ancestors if you have those that you wish to honor um, at an American holiday time. Memorial Day for many people is a time for honoring ancestors. It's often taking uh, the form in the USA of going to graveyards and putting flowers on graveyards of um, deceased relatives. It can be a great time for remembering those who were killed in action in one or more uh, military operations and and certainly Memorial Day began as a kind of honoring the dead time. Decoration Day, it's sometimes called. And while initially it was to focus on remembering those who, who were killed in a particular war, it's now generalized to be a time for honoring ancestors, whether they served in the military or not. And then, of course, there's Fourth of July, America's birthday, another time to be able to celebrate ancestors. So some examples of some other holidays um, besides secular holidays. Some people will honor ancestors at each of the Sabbaths, but use a particular uh, different approach for each of the holidays, depending on what the holiday might be. And in some traditions, in addition to Samhain being an ancestor time, Yuletide is an ancestor's time. And certainly with Yuletide being interconnected with a variety of other holidays, Christmas, secular as well as Christian Christmas, 
as well as New Year's and uh, just a variety of holidays happen um, in connection with the Yuletide and paying attention to one's own ancestral roots and their connections with that time of year can be a really wonderful way to learn about ancestors and to create a special Yuletide ancestors altar where you may have food from the particular cultures that your ancestors were connected with. You might have some photographs of, of items or of them actually celebrating a Yuletide or a Christmas or a New Year's in the past as part of your creating that type of seasonal celebration. In addition to the ones we've talked about so far, some people will call on the ancestors at full moon time, at dark moon time, new moon time, um, as part of lunation rituals. And as somebody is crossing over into the other world, that can be a really powerful time for setting up an ancestor's altar with images and things connected with the person who's dying ancestry, if it's known. Um, and the altar doesn't even have to be that big for it to be effective. I remember doing a crossing over ceremony for a person who has Scottish ancestry, and I have some Scottish ancestry as well, so I'm aware of the family system structures and that some of the family lines are called clans and they have tartans. And we were able to have a tartan serve as a link to the ancestors and do a calling of the ancestors as part of the crossing over ceremony. Some people will set up an ancestor's altar at a funeral, celebration of life, or memorial, or burial, and to call on the ancestors to have them be present as um, one honors the life now past of the loved one who has died. So let's take a look at some additional ways that you might create an ancestor's altar. You can take up an entire room if you have the space. That can be really fabulous. What would you put in an ancestor shrine room? Lots of things that you've gotten from altars um, and that honored ancestors and, and ancestral materials. You may want to, uh, if you have inherited any furniture from one or more ancestors, you could furnish that room with them. And it can be a repository of family history information and can serve as a room not only to honor ancestors and ancestor altars set up there, but perhaps taking some oral or some video history of living relatives talking about those who have crossed on. So if you're in a big enough place and you can devote a whole room to spiritual activity, to ancestors, fabulous. But most people do not have that kind of space and instead choose to put 
an ancestor's altar in a room that's also used for other things. Now, some people like having a table, and this is a portable altar that I actually take to different places, and it folds up, and that's really helpful. I also um, have used my ancestral place altar, um, the actual table here, which is an antique table, not through my family lines, but I connected with it from a local village. And this is very sturdy and has served as an ancestor's altar at Samhain and at other times, and of, of a variety of different um, types. Some people like using a bookshelf because it gives you um, different levels to put photographs and objects on it, so some kind of bookcase. Some people will find a shelf. It might be a windowsill. It might be a, um, a mantelpiece over a fireplace. It might be um, part of a cabinet, a little shelf space there. You don't really need a huge space to have an ancestor's altar, having some space and being able to use it is more important than having something very elaborate. And I do think it's important to recognize that when you're in situations where you cannot physically put up an altar to the ancestors, you can do what I call the envisioned altar, where you hold in your mind an altar with candles and offerings and images of your ancestors, and to actually go to what some people would call an astral ancestor's altar. So you can use an envisioned altar. Some people have put some of their information about ancestors up online, and as part of that, have actually created a cyber ancestor's altar. If you choose to do that, then you need to decide who has access to that cyber material, what kind of security and other things you have around that. Um, it, you know, there's many different possibilities. Another factor to keep in mind as you plan and work with ancestors' altars is what is your particular spiritual tradition? And what are the teachings and the practices about ancestors' altars? Some traditions require that an ancestor's altar has a white, a clean white altar cloth as, and has white candles. Now, some traditions have a different color or multicolored um, altar cloth that is preferred. Sometimes the color has to do with a spiritual principle. Sometimes it may be up to the practitioner and their own preferences and inclinations. So being able to take a look at your own personal practices as well as what teachings you've had regarding ancestors and keeping an ancestor's altar. And you'll find ancestors' altars are part of human experience across time and around the world, across culture and across faith traditions. Some traditions give greater emphasis 
to honoring ancestors than others. Uh, the Shinto religion, rooted in Japan, ancestors are a very important part of that religion. And some pagan religions, old pagan religions as well as recreations of pagan religions, have ancestor honoring as a very core principle. The ancient Romans and the old Roman religion, ancestor honoring was something that was done regularly and there was a place set up in households for that. And some contemporary pagans have drawn from inspiration from some older pagan traditions in doing ancestor altar work. In addition to considering your own spiritual tradition, who else do you want to have access to the ancestors' altar that you are working with and creating? And if you are in a marriage or a partner relationship, then you will be able to decide whether you're going to have a household ancestors' altar where you each bring images and tokens of remembrance for your altars, or are you going to keep separate ones? Um, in my household, we have, my husband and I, we each have our separate year-round ancestors' altars, but at Sawin, we take objects and photographs and other things from our individual family ancestors' altars to create a Sawin altar in our household at a different location in one of our um, shared spaces. So another thing to keep in mind as you um, work with that. What I'd like to do now is share with you some items for an ancestor's altar. Knowing that ancestor altars can take a lot of different forms. Now, if you are um, creating an ancestral place altar, then it's a really good idea to get some tokens of particular location. Um, I have some Swiss ancestry, and I happen to be at a Swiss festival in Wisconsin and went into um, some of the shops in town and was able to find an image of the canton in Switzerland that I had ancestors from. So that's part of my ancestral place um, altar. When I went to Ephrata Cloisters, and I talked about that um, in my previous podcast, I had some folk art, but I actually got a representation of one of the buildings from that place. I got this from the museum gift shop. And gift shops are really great places to find things of historical significance, um, museums, living um, history centers, because it can really help you um, tune in and um, actually have representation. Now, of course, on the Internet, you can Google things and run things off and frame them. Um, when I visited a family home, um, and cousins in Scotland many years ago, I was given this um, painting of the family home in Fife, Scotland. And they, the family, my distant cousin and his wife, had uh, gotten postcards made of the painting that held 
was in the home. So I actually have this as one of my ways of connecting with that line in, in old Scotland. Now, you might find when you go visit a place uh, that's connected with your ancestors, you have the opportunity to take a pebble or a piece of brick, um, some soil. So if you do some collecting at an ancestral site, uh, collect it in a sacred way and put it in some kind of container for transport and then have it in the container that you're going to be using on your altar. And important, label it. So really important to label your items, even if you know now what it is, and especially if it's something you might not immediately recognize. And I think it really makes sense to do that, too, for photographs, even though you know the names of the ancestors on the photographs, most likely, to put some information, and you might put it on a 3 by 5 card and then tuck it into the back of the photograph so that long after you're around, uh, somebody else has it, they'll actually have the information. So we want some object links to the ancestors. It can be from an ancestral place. It can be a photograph or an illustration of an ancestor or a rendering that you have done. Something else that I like to have on every ancestor altar that I do is some representation of each of the elements of nature. And for Earth, salt is something that I often will work with, or it could be a stone or some soil. For air, it's typically um, in the form of incense. One of the good things about joss-stick incense is that it on the time releases, you don't have to tend it so much. Just make sure you get it in a container that catches any sparks or any ash that comes out. So for air, incense. For fire, candles. Now if you're in a place you can't um, use actual candles and get battery-operated ones because that um, especially if you want to keep light on your altar going into the night and you're not going to be monitoring your altar with living fire on it, it's always a good idea to um, practice fire safety, especially when you're connecting with the other world. And water is something that many people will put on an ancestor's altar it's important that it be clean water and the receptacle it's in also be clean. Now, some people will do a variety of offerings. Some may have an offering plate and um, take some bread or part of a prepared dish of food, some fruit, um, some nuts, some vegetables. Uh, some people will have a chalice and will include offerings, might be alcohol some kind, mead, wine, whiskey, some kind of alcoholic beverage. And a lot depends on 
the ancestors that you're working with, the tradition you're working with, and and what you think is appropriate for your for your altar. I like having some kind of flowers on an ancestor altar, and I have chosen for the ancestor altar tonight some flowering mint. Why flowering mint? Well, it's available, and mints connect it with the other world. And it's just, and these flowers actually last a really long time. If you take mint sprigs and you put them in a vase of water, such as I have here, then those um, sprigs are likely to stand up and last for multiple days. So one of the things you need to be aware of when you have an offering factor and place on an ancestor's altar that you want to keep it in good shape. And if you have food stuff, beverage stuff, and they're starting to deteriorate, it's time to take those ancestral altars and return them to nature in some kind of good way. Some people like having coffee or chocolate or sweets on the ancestors' altars. Uh, some people will like um, to make a special herb tea and serve that to the ancestors. Some people dine with the ancestors as part of a ritual at an ancestor's altar. So a lot of different things to keep in mind. So what are some other things to have on your ancestor's altar? I call it the ancestral realm portal device, and I typically will use a clear quartz crystal as my focal point for connecting with the portal that links the altar with the other world. Some people use crystals, some people use mirrors or a combination. Uh, there's different approaches. Uh, some people may use some kind of a talisman or a mandala as a focal point. Uh, some people use a candle rather than a particular um, ritual item that will last and last. I do think spending time at an ancestor's altar that gives you enough time to center yourself, honor the ancestors, listen to the ancestors, and then thank the ancestors, and then to reflect on what you've experienced. Um, you can do a short ancestor honoring in a minute or two, but it's better to give yourself enough time that you can go through various steps of ancestor honoring and remembrance. And we'll talk more about that in my podcast on ancestors rituals. In addition to these items, you very well may want to have things that have been passed on to you from an ancestor and one of the things that was traditional when somebody died in the family, this is especially back in the early parts of the USA as it developed as a nation and its colonial era, um, someone from the family would take a bit of hair from the corpse of the deceased loved one and put it in a locket or put it in some kind of container 
has a direct link to that ancestor. Well, hair has DNA in it, so you definitely are tuning into the ancestor. And I've gone to some museums where I've seen some of these locks of hair that have been passed on through family lines and then passed on to a historical society to do some education around that. So there may be um, things from a piece of clothing. Um, it, it might be some jewelry or some other thing that you've received from an ancestor. That can serve as a link. If you are not able to get tokens of remembrance for all the ancestors you wish to honor, then it's important that you have something on you, and it could be a candle, it could be um, some kind of water or an, a libation bowl, something that you would then have it be an all-ancestor symbol. So a lot depends on how you construct your rituals and what your main focus is for using your ancestors' altar but that can be really a very helpful thing. Now, I'm going to share with you some what I call pointers for keeping your ancestors' altar and maintaining it and working with it. In many traditions, when it comes to photographs of ancestors, you want to have photographs of those who have died rather than a photograph that also includes living people. Some traditions are really strict about that, and others there's more flexibility. Um, some um, will say it depends on the purpose of the altar and the ritual being done. Um, but essentially, because an ancestor's altar is something that becomes a portal, a gateway to the realm of the spirit world, it's important that you keep it clean and you are careful around it and you have good manners as you connect with your departed loved ones. And that you also pretty much have it be something for those who have gone before. If somebody recently dies, you have an ancestor's altar, and you consider them going into the ancestor realm, you may want to have your ancestor's altar to use that as a support, but a separate altar specifically for the recently dead, for um, their, depending on who you talk with and the particular tradition, there can be a series of steps that that soul goes through as they journey into the other world. And then after the honoring of the one who has recently died has been completed, then one may take the items or one item of photograph or whatever and add it to the more communal ancestors' altar that you have. I think it's really a good idea to photograph your ancestor's altar as a way of documenting it. It's likely to go through changes from time to time. So if you have a year-round altar, you may want to take a picture at the beginning of the year or the beginning of the spiritual year 
or on your birthday or the anniversary date of when you've set up the ancestor altar. I'll leave that up to you. And I think it's important to do some journaling about your work with your ancestor's altar as well. Sometimes guidance comes to us as we are meditating with the ancestors at our ancestor's altar, and it's really helpful to have some kind of book. I like spiral-bound books and a pen and have that right on the altar so that if there is guidance that comes through, you have a way of noting it down, not only reflecting on it through meditation, but actually putting specific information down. If you do, keep a ancestor's um, journal or diary or workbook, then be sure to date the date that you're having the, uh, the ritual, the meditation, the guidance coming through. It's important to <clears throat> um, thank the ancestors whenever you're working with your ancestors' altar. It's the ancestors are within us and around us when we create a focal point to strengthen that relationship. In addition to honoring and appreciating, it's good to give thanks to ancestors on an ongoing basis for being part of our lives, for inspiring us, for any guidance that they have um, provided us. It's good etiquette, and it strengthens the relationship. When you are concluding work with an ancestor's altar, then make sure that you've extinguished the candles and put out any burning incense and that um, you've brought closure to your ritual work there. And some people will keep their altar on display and then reactivate it when they do their next ritual. Others will have a sheet or a covering and will place it over the ancestor's altar, especially if one is um, traveling a lot and isn't home and the ancestor's altar is in the home, can help keep the dust off and, you know, help keep it in a, uh, a cleaner fashion. I'll leave that up to you what might work the best. You may want to also share information about your ancestor altars with others who share your interest. You may want, as Samhain comes on, for those who are celebrating that holiday, may want to take pictures of your ancestor's altar and share it with others as a way of, of celebrating your connection with the ancestors. But here again, it's an individual choice, and some people prefer to keep their private work with their ancestors private and not share it in a, a larger context. Um, and that's, I have put together this um, sample ancestors altar using some of the things that are on my year-round ancestors altar. Well, let us give thanks to the ancestors that we have called to be part of our 
time together tonight. Ancestors, we thank you. Ancestors, we thank you. Calling out 
And they sing a song of old, and their words will carry us home. And their song will carry us home. Hear a song. And they sing a song of old. They call you home, and their words will carry us home to the ancient ways. And their song will carry us home to the ancient ways. Hear a song. And they sing a song of old, the ancient ways, and their words words will carry us home. Your memories and their song will carry us home. Your memories hear a song. And they sing a song of old. They call you old. And their words will carry us home. They call you home. And their song will carry us home. They call you home. And their words will carry us home. They call you home, and their song will carry us home. And thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts. Presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connecting the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash csnpodcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings.